Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, from celebrities like Harry Styles and boy band BTS to social media beauty influencers like Patrick Starr and Kenneth Senegal, more and more men and non-binary folk are publicly embracing makeup in their daily lives. And as author and journalist David Yee points out in their new book, Pretty Boys, Male beauty influencers existed long ago. We'll hear how figures of male and non-binary beauty, past and present, explore gender through makeup. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. David Yee writes in their new book, Pretty Boys, We're living in a day and age where exuberant stars from RuPaul's Drag Race are not only embraced, but celebrated as pop culture icons. This is an era in which men who paint their nails, a la Frank Ocean or Harry Styles, aren't automatically relegated to one orientation or the other. A time when the world's biggest boy band, BTS, is setting the new standard of male sex appeal with not only their talent, but their dewy complexions. David Yee, creator of beauty website Very Good Light, joins me now. David Yee, welcome to Forum. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan. I'm so happy to have you here. And I just read from your book a bunch of recent examples of men and non-binary people embracing beauty and makeup today. But one of the things you make clear is that this is not new, right? Exactly. From the history of mankind, we're talking about 50,000 years ago, BCE, <laughs> our Neanderthal cousins were daubing their faces with blush, with highlighter, using foundation. And then that also trickled down to 600s CE with our Huarang uh, brothers who, who used in Korea this spiritual practice to express themselves on the battlefield. And we're seeing throughout the history of time that makeup wasn't so clearly gendered for women, but all folks from all spectrums beautified and amplified their power that way. You mentioned Huarang Warriors, and uh, you also draw connections to, to the Warriors and today's K-pop scene. Can you talk about how they're connected for you? Oh, for sure. So Huarang in Korean translates to flower boy, which translates to pretty boy. And in the 600s, there's a king named 
King Chinhung, who searched the entire land for all the pretty boys because he believed that Maitreya, who was this beautiful Buddhist god, his likeness was in the soil and that would be birthed into these beautiful men. And so he searched the kingdom for that big Buddha energy for these men who perhaps had Maitreya in them. And so for three months, he looked and searched for these warriors to join his army. And they, uh, they became the fiercest assassins in Shila, the dynasty mm. that he oversaw. But that trickles down to the pretty boys of today. And I think that Koreans, historically, when you look at the Hwarang, that trickles down to Korean culture, Korean men, and their self-respect, their self-care aspect, and K-pop stars, too, who perhaps have that Hwarang spirit. So beauty is power really power. What was it like for you personally to write and research this book? It was uh, during the pandemic. It was <laughs> immense stress, but it was also a lot of joy because I was stuck at home in Colorado Springs in the basement of my parents' home because I left New York to concentrate on this book, but it allowed me to travel through space and time and history to meet these powerful figures who ultimately created history and paved a way for folks like me. And it might have been the most challenging year last year, but to me, it was also so empowering to know that there were these figures like pharaohs and kings and warriors who all understood that pretty is pretty powerful. It's it's so true. I one of the things that I was struck by was how this feels like a pretty recent shift, especially when you were talking about your experience as a little kid. You know, not that long ago, you tried to pretend to be the toughest kid in a schoolyard so you didn't get mm. picked on. I mean, what would you do to try to be quote masculine? What did you understand it needed to be at that time? Well, what we've been conditioned to be. In, in our younger years or as American people or in this Western world is to be hyper-masculine in our expression. And what does that mean? That means to be hyper-macho or perhaps hyper-violent, hyper-sexualized, to puff out your chest and say not to pick on me, not to know that perhaps I'm different. And I think masculinity is a song and dance, right? We all as men are taught that this is the way of survival, that we have to put on this mask so no one knows who we truly are. And in this capitalistic structure as well, we've been taught to be a certain way. And that unfortunately stems from childhood to adulthood. And so on that playground, I would wear my jeans a little baggier. I would deepen my voice from a soprano to maybe a high alto. Uh, I would try to use language that made me seem tougher. But this was all just performative. This was performance. This was mm. so that other people wouldn't see me as other. They wouldn't see me as feminine, which in our culture also femininity is associated with misogyny. And so I was deeply afraid that if I didn't conform, that I wouldn't be able to survive in this cruel world. So if in the past, masculinity was associated with beauty and power, and then you're serious, seriously like experiencing what sounds like vestiges of a real shift away from that. Can you talk about the great male renunciation <laughs> that you write about in your book? Like when did that change where beauty yes. and masculinity were no longer allowed to go together? I mean, yes, dun, 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 the enlightened period or the age of reason that's, you know, scientific, political and philosophical discourse came around European society at that time. 
But truly, the shift was this period called the Great Male Renunciation that you talk about. And historians pinpoint that it was at this moment in the late 1700s, this late, this early 1800s, where men were now expected to not beautify because it was considered frivolous. And this was when the gender binary in the Western culture was created. I mean, a historian notes that these thinkers published a female skeleton. And this was extremely important because showing the female skeleton and publishing it meant that women and men, they could finally differentiate between the two. And this gender binary was only propelled by war. By the First World War, you know, men were shipped off to battle. Western cultures like European society were obsessed with going out into the world and staking their claims of land, putting their flags on foreign soil and claiming it that it was theirs. And this Western purview became pervasive. Men, because they're at war, became hyper-masculine. And women who were back home, who were replacing these men in places like factories or postal services or these manual labor jobs, were now expected to be hyper-feminine. I mean, we're seeing advertisements from the likes of Tanji or Elizabeth Arden propel this message that it is anti-American and unpatriotic to not wear lipstick. There's a, a great and, and very famous color of red, a shade of red called commando red. And so women were now expected to be hyper feminine. Men were expected to be hyper masculine. And that propaganda was so successful that in 2021, we still feel the remnants of what happened hundreds of years ago. But as you say, we are now undergoing a cultural shift. And a quote again from your book, which I, I really enjoyed and is actually a very beautiful book. Um, Thank you. Just the artwork and everything. And, but the writing as well, you write, we're undergoing a culture shift in which people of all identities are questioning dated gender roles, sloughing off the binary and refusing to conform to ingrained expectations. Collectively, we are examining and dismantling the past 200 years of oppressive patriarchal propaganda and erasure of anyone who didn't fit in with traditional masculinity. So I guess I'm curious now what you think is sort of driving the renunciation of the renunciation. Like, what do you think is fueling the shift? Well, it's really interesting because I think that people are now aware that these identities aren't new, right? So people are like, why is it that Demi Lovato or Sam Smith are coming out as non-binary? It's so new. Well, this hasn't been new, right? Non-binary folks throughout the world and the history of the world have always existed and thrived. We're talking about India's Hejras or Native Americans, indigenous folks and two spirits or the Fafafine of Polynesia, Samoa. I can go on and on. But because of Westernization, these third gender folks were now told to conform on this gender binary unfairly out of their control when hundreds and thousands of years they have thrived and lived in these societies and been important members. And I think in 2021, we are now attuned more to our history. We're looking into the past. But I think that Gen Z is leading that conversation when they're saying, no, we refuse to be a part of this gender binary construct that was unfairly placed upon us. It's oppressive. And what we're going to do is we're going to express our ways in ways that are empowering and free. And so I think that in today's age, we're seeing guys like Bad Bunny wearing acrylic nails or Harry Styles in his gender nonconforming expression of wearing dresses or BTS become the biggest 
heartthrobs and they happen to wear makeup and have colorful hair. So I think it's an amalgamation of different things, but I'm really hopeful that this renunciation of the renunciation that you speak of <laughs> is only going to be more normalized. We're talking about the shifting gender norms of beauty, about degendering beauty and the role of makeup and moving beyond the binary with David Yee, CEO of Very Good Light, author of Pretty Boys, Legendary Icons Who Redefine Beauty and How to Glow Up Too, which releases June 22nd. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. I want to know who are your personal male or non-binary beauty icons on YouTube or in history, when do you wear makeup? How does it make you feel? Has makeup taken on new meaning for you? I'd also love to hear how you balance conflicting cultural beauty standards as well, because there are lots of them in lots of different cultures uh, that are, are basically trying to push different ideas of what constitutes beauty and masculinity. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. And if you want, you can also tell us what shifting beauty norms have stood out to you. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the shifting gender norms of beauty, about degendering beauty, with David Yee, CEO of Very Good Light, author of Pretty Boys, Legendary Icons Who Redefine Beauty and How to Glow Up Too. And joining me now is Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer, also storyteller with more than 400,000 subscribers on YouTube who knows all things makeup. Kenny Senegal, thanks so much for joining us. Hello, how are you today? I'm really well, and I really appreciate having you on. Just before the break, I was asking David Yee this question about what they think is changing uh, the 
the gender norms that is creating and driving this cultural shift where people are basically challenging traditional notions of masculinity using clothing and makeup. And I, I'm curious what you think is driving it. Kenny Senegal. I think, I, I think what's driving it is simply people realizing that we've been throughout history and like throughout recent years, we've been told to be who we are and who we've been told to be does not always align. And it hasn't always aligned with what we sometimes feel on the inside. So I simply feel like the expansion of, you know, makeup and beauty is everywhere now. It comes from people just authentically wanting to be themselves, authentically wanting to kind of go against the grain. I feel like we're in a generation of rebels. Nobody wants to follow the rules anymore because the rules have boxed everybody in. Everybody mm. wants to live outside of the box that they have been put in. And I can speak for a lot of people simply because that's my case. I've never wanted to fit in a box of, you know, because I was, you know, born a male, I have to play football. I have to pick up trucks and blase, blase. No, girl, I like makeup. Makeup is very fab to me. <laughs> makeup is how I choose to express myself. It's artistry. It's creativity. And I feel like everybody has that creativity in them, but because of the society that we live in, it's like boxed in. Yeah. It's such a great point you're making about the fact that we're told be yourself and now we're insisting on making people mean it. <laughs> and you're saying that you became interested in beauty and makeup. When, when did that happen for you? Kenny? Seneca? Um, so my mother was a showgirl showgirl performed at different nightclubs and things like that. She was always, you know, glammed up. I had no other choice. It was just something about the red lipstick. I said, Oh, red lipstick is really fab. And then past that, it had to be the Queens of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I remember seeing like the second season when I was a child and I was like, wow, I genuinely, I thought it was like something related to drag race as in like the cars or whatever. <laughs> and when I clicked on it and I seen these Queens on screen, I said, this is me. Like, this is what I feel like. This, this, like, like I was saying, the football is not resonating with my soul, <laughs> and it was just the theatrics of it. It just re always resonated, and then always paying attention to like pop culture, also Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Lady Gaga, you know, the 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 queens. Well, you say that drag has been a major influence in your own history with makeup and beauty. Can you describe some of your favorite drag-inspired looks? Um, some of my favorite drag inspired looks would um, always have to be when I go a little more dramatic. So whenever I'm in like full glitz and glam, I get that straight from the drag community, the contour. I think a lot of beauty trends these days come from the drag community um, because the drag community is full of individuals that always wanted to live outside of the boxes. And what does what does it do for you, Kenny, when you put makeup on? Like, how does it affect you? It's like an extra, it's an extra la layer of confidence. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't quite explain it. It's like you go from being, you know, unpolished yourself. You should always love yourself as like who you are, but it's that extra label of confidence. It, it's just like, oh, you absolutely cannot tell me anything. Look at my face right now, you know?
Well, this listener writes, I often don't wear makeup since I felt like it was expected of me growing up as a girl, but I'm learning to appreciate how others can use it as an art form. David, he's similar to you. Do you use it as an art form? What does putting on makeup, what does the process of beautifying do for you? I think that skincare and makeup is transformative. It is a, uh, a symbol of power for me. I think it's also armor. So as mm. you are looking into the mirror and coming terms with who you are, it's self-care and it's radical self-love. So that five-minute meditation, and I always do this, I put my two hands on my face and I hug my face in the morning. And I say, this is who you are. This is what you look like. And sometimes I look and, and see an extra mole. And I'm like, I didn't notice that. Or maybe an extra wrinkle and come to terms with that self-actualization. And I think that makeup and cosmetics is powerful because you are transforming from the inside out and you are sharing your light with the world. So that five minute meditation before the day, you're gassing yourself up that five minutes before bed, you are practicing that self-love and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. We are all we have and going to bed in a positive way. And again, we're talking with David Yee, CEO of Very Good Light, Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer. You, our listeners, are telling us about when you wear makeup, how it makes you feel, if it's taken on new meaning for you, who are your personal male or non-binary beauty icons on YouTube or in history? How do you balance conflicting cultural beauty standards and what shifting beauty norms have stood out to you? You can call us 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us, forum at kqed.org. This listener asks, how do your guests feel about Candace Owens attacking Harry Styles for wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue saying, we need to bring back manly men? Um, David, do you have a reaction to that? I do. And I'm glad that we're speaking about that because I have a lot of thoughts. I think that for one, Candace Owens is misguided when she thinks about masculinity. And she too is a victim of this American westernized system of colonization and what we are supposed to think of man and woman in this gender binary, right? And these constructs of masculinity that she promotes is, like I said, misguided. She is subscribing to this idea that man, to be powerful, needs to be high hyper-masculine, meaning hyper-violent or hyper-sexualized or hyper-gruff or stoic. And what we're seeing is that's not what makes a powerful man. That's not what makes a genuine man. They are playing this idea that they have to be, be a man in the song and dance, right? They have to be performative in their actions. And Harry Styles is is also sharing with the world who he is in a more colorful and expressive way. And I think the more most masculine, powerful act that you can do is to enact your authenticity and your truth and share some color with the world and be unabashed in that, be extremely unapologetic about that. And I think that he is actually exuding the most, uh, my the most uh, version of what I think of as, as masculinity is living his truth and also being confident at the same time. Okay, Senegal, did you get pushback to your, when you were first being more open about your makeup looks? You know, it's funny that you say that because I personally, I never got a lot of pushback, even though I've seen a lot of individuals get pushback. I've talked to a lot of individuals that have gotten pushback. 
I personally never got pushed back. And it was because just what um, David got done saying, it was because it, like, not only did it give me, does it give me confidence when I wear makeup, it gives other people confidence. You know, it makes other people happy when I walk in a room and a face is beat to oblivion. Everybody is like, oh my gosh, I feel good now. Like, or I feel good. Like, I feel good just because you're here. And I, I think that's what makeup is all about also. It's mm -hmm. all about expression. You've had people come up to you and say that you being so authentic has helped them be more authentic about who they are, Kenny? All the time. All the time. That's one of my most common things is that you being authentic, Kenny, has inspired me to come out of the closet. You, you and live my life on my own terms. And I think makeup really does that for people. It, it, it passes along the confidence. It's like a ripple effect. I think on an energetic level, it's like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. Especially coming from where I come from. I'm coming from the South, very small town outside of Houston, Texas, very small town called Lamarck, Texas. Nobody everybody was always put into the boxes. And when I pushed through, I raised up my own community, you know, just by seeing them seeing how far I've gotten just by being my authentic self. I think authenticity takes you so much farther than anything else in the world. I understand, Kenny, that you've led workshops for black and brown and queer and trans folk. Was that something that you really felt like was important in terms of reaching out to these groups specifically? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Black queer individuals have been some of the most disrespected individuals in the world, period. I think um, a lot of Black queer individuals provide a lot of culture to not only pop culture, but to the world. Like everything is literally queer now. Like if you look around, like everything is quickly moving into this situation of like, yes, honey, slay, tea, shade, blase, 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 blase. And I think it's important to uplift the community who has cultivated all of that. Well, we have some calls coming in and let me go to Mus in Walnut Creek. Hi, Mus. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I just want to bring another point of view. It's actually from a street person perspective who grew up overseas. So one of the things I noticed when I came here as an adult is like, there is a huge mass amount of cities to the, in, in the United States among boys. And I realized how feminine we have been before I came here. Examples, for example, like men, what I grew up in North Africa are okay recognizing beauty in other men. You would say, like, that man is handsome. That man is awesome. When I came here, like, I remember saying that to someone, and all of a sudden the room went dead. Like, everyone turned and was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, men in the United States do not call another man. And they think this is can go far reach. The other thing that, uh, from my personal experience, is, like, the culture is very sport-oriented and very segregated into teams, and they have... I'm raising boys, and then seeing that there is like hardly any uh, opportunities for them to actually like interact with the other gender, so that we can have less like that mix of developing boys to become more like develop their feminine side, be, understand the other party, understand like how uh, you know be okay nurturing your feminine side in a way that 
kind of calms you down and, and, and grounds you in a way that you don't have to be always alert into a fight, as the author was talking about. Like, you have to always show uh, that you cannot be messed with. And mm-hmm. that's my point. Do you feel like it's starting to change, Mus? Not really, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I, I'm, I'm, like, the, the culture of, like, college rate and the culture of, like, the high school and stuff, I'm seeing it It's because we nurture that. Because we raise kids in, in a form that it's not okay to show your feminine side. It's not okay to, like, be hugged and cry and stuff like that. You have to, like, cap it to a point that it becomes more of, like, a pressure point And then, like, those boys just, like, explode. Like, at, at some, I'm, I'm not, a, like, a therapist or, like, uh, but I'm seeing things in terms of uh, if you look into... The gaming is like for me personally. I'm raising my kids to uh, like to be okay with their sexuality, to be okay to look at actually like uh, watching movies in which there is like nudity. And was like for me, it's okay. Violence is not okay. And the reverse, I see parents like, well, that movie is rated. I'm not gonna let my kid watch it. And and when we look at this, it's about like understanding like violence. It's okay for them to watch but not nudity. And this is something that I, like, I, I live in a microcosm of my, our family that we're trying to, like, and we want when because my kids are actually raised also by society. And yes. they're going to be out and about with their friends. And it, I feel like I'm against a huge, like, current that I can't win. Against a huge current that you can't win. I'm curious... David or Kenny, if you have a reaction to what Musa is saying, what it's also just making me think about is, uh, is how far we need to go to make being able to express beauty for men uh, and non-binary people more inclusive. Uh, what are your thoughts, David? That, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. think that we, I think that we live in a um, very, very masculine-based culture, and with living in this very ma- masculine-based culture, I think it's important to bring balance because the the feminine is not a lesser, and I think makeup is the um, boldest expression of femininity sometimes. Um, and we always hold these two energies, you know. And the more we we come into balance with ourselves with seeing, you know, more feminine things or, you know, out in pop culture and things, the more we come into balance at a, like an inner level, I feel like the more you'll see on a grander scale and the more, the less, like the nurturer is not present anymore, you know? And I think that's what makeup really encourages. Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer. Also David Yee with us, author of Pretty Boys, legendary icons who redefined beauty and how to glow up too. And you, our listeners, are with us. Paul writes, one should remember that our heterosexist patriarchal society associates physical beauty with the feminine to a level that borders on pathology. Specifically with regard to makeup, I believe that instead of men wearing more makeup, it's actually women who should wear less. As a culture, we have lost any kind of appreciation of natural beauty in women. JL writes, the expression when I lived in Tennessee was any old barn looks better with a coat of paint. When I didn't have time to put on makeup, I spent the day being asked if I was sick. Interesting points. David Yee, first I want to ask you why you started your your line, Good Light, uh, as a partner to your website, Very Good Light. 
Yes, I think that gender inclusivity is being truly inclusive and understanding that makeup and cosmetics doesn't have a gender identity, doesn't have a sexuality. These are tools to empower yourself to feel your best. And so good light is all about shining your good light, being confident in who you are. And like Kenny said, being authentic and unabashedly so. I think that we live in this society that is patriarchal, that also is just so... Um, hyper-masculine and deems hyper-masculinity as uh, something that is more beneficial to someone than femininity. And at the core of that, we need to unpack that, right? Because it goes into misogyny. So when we're saying someone is feminine in behavior, like that boy is feminine, we see that as something that's disposable. But when we look at a tomboy girl, right? A girl who's a tomboy, we say, oh, wow, she can change tires or she's gruff. She can hang with the guys. That's something acceptable. And I think at the core of what we're looking at is misogyny and this deep resentment of women and thinking as femininity or women as incapable and almost in, in our culture of, of capitalization, penalizing folks. And I would like to say to Moose, I mean, I mean we need more parents like Moose and, and parents who really do uh, promote this idea that men can be anything, that masculinity can be expansive. In our Western culture, it is so boxed in and it is so claustrophobic to be this type of person, this masculine person, because at the core of it, what does masculinity and femininity mean, right? I mean, obviously, we're not going to abolish these terms in our American English lexicon. But at the core of it, when we say that boy is feminine, because he happens to wear makeup, what does that mean? Because men from all spheres and cultures throughout history have always worn makeup. So um, yeah. what does that actually mean semantically? And I think that we need to be more exact and, and to the point and, and promote an, an expansion of these identities. But I think what some of the comments uh, just before the break uh, were getting at was this concern about makeup is also becoming something that, that people will feel pressure to do. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that and how to guard against that right after the break. Again, we're talking with David Yee, author of Pretty Boys, Legendary Icons Who Redefine Beauty and How to Glow Up Too, and Kenny Senegal, Beauty Entertainment Influencer. And we'll have more with them after the break. I'm Mina Kim. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about degendering beauty and using makeup to go beyond the binary with Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer, David Yee, CEO, Very Good Light, author of Pretty Boys, Legendary Icons Who Redefined Beauty and How to Glow Up Too, which releases June 22nd. You, our listeners, are with us with your thoughts and reactions to makeup, how it makes you feel, whether it's taken on new meaning, meaning and is shifting beauty norms. Um, also, if you have personal male or non-binary beauty icons you want to share, let us know at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. 
And Kenny Senegal, just before the break, I was talking with David Yee about the role of makeup. There were some comments that we got about from JL, for example, saying that if JL didn't put makeup on, that someone would ask them if they're sick or whether or not we're just putting too much emphasis on makeup and people should just generally be wearing less of it. Some of that, I think, is born from concern about capitalism, about the beauty industry, propaganda that often is driven more by profit than, say, gender freedom. Do you worry about that, Kenny Senegal? Oh, definitely. I, um, I've experienced several times, like, for example, being in the influencer space, I've seen companies go as far as hiring people who aren't even into makeup to do campaigns and it's like why like there's tons of people out here that that do the makeup tons of boys tons of non-binary individuals that do makeup but you go and you pick somebody just because they have a you know a larger following and I get the ideology behind that but it's it's literally you're literally just in it for the money you're not in it for the the to make the world a better place <laughs> you're in it for very selfish reasons you know um and that goes into you know money just being the everything to people money is everything and mm. i think that money is on a pedestal that money should not be on but the beauty community the beauty space is strictly money driven so david as someone who is the founder of a skincare brand does this concern come into conversations that your company has Absolutely. We need to talk about equity and agency, right? So when beauty companies are saying, we need to diversify our campaigns, we need to very, be very cognizant of, are these companies capitalizing on marginalized folks and their pain for their capital gain? Huh. And that's where I have a problem. And that's when I want to have this cultural shift. And, you know, I want to promote this idea that we need to have decision makers, power players within these institutions from these communities. So do you have enough Asian folks in management? Do you have black trans folks who are actually making decisions? Or are you just using these communities because it's trendy to do so? Capitalism is something that we all need to talk about. And I, I get it. America is a capitalistic country and structure. But when it comes to the beauty community and activism and advocacy, when we're talking about inclusion and diversity, what does that exactly mean? And who has the agency to make those decisions? Who are the ones who are benefiting from this capitalization of pain? And I think that's something that we are always cognizant over. And for me, as an activist and advocate in this space, we'll continue to promote and think and rethink and ensure that it's an equitable space and that we're continuing to do justice to these communities. Well, Henry writes, Louis XIV, King of France, was not naturally a beautiful man by both standards of then and now, but his confident use of clothes and makeup sold his beauty and inspired millions. I'm a 65-year-old heterosexual man and am fortunate to have always been around people supportive of my use of clothes and makeup to show off my beauty. And Catherine tweets, I have an early 2000s understanding of how to do my makeup and would love to learn more about how to do it well today. Any resource recommendations? Overwhelmed with figuring out where to start. Uh, Kenny Senegal, I'll start with you. Any any tips for Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> my, only tips for, my only tips for anybody is to always be their authentic selves, honestly and truly. Like, whatever you feel, you do. I don't know if that strictly answers this question, but... My, my tips would be to be your authentic self, do what you feel, do what, follow your heart, 
the mind can be tainted. The mind can be, mis- you know, ran off the railroads, which is why we're even here at the first place in the first place. Okay, Kenny, I totally get that. But can you tell us how people stay interested in beating their face and really going there with their makeup looks can get started and learn more? <laughs> I say um, just practice, 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 do, do, do. Like change the people you follow on social media. You know, the people you feel like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. That makes me feel comfortable. Um, Change the things you watch. Um, Look, when you go in a mirror, simply take a brush and play, girl. Just play, play. Because there's no, the beauty standard is trash. Play, do what you feel. And there are a lot of options to look around, right, Kenny? There's your YouTube channel. There are a lot of people on social. Yeah. Yes, but those people aren't always pushed. There's a lot of people out here that are doing the thing, that are inspiring, you know, larger creators, that are inspiring not only larger creators, but, you know, the celebrities. The celebrities literally get their influence from a lot of the smaller creators. (laughs) And they take it and they make it fit into their box but it's the smaller creators that are influencing and shifting the communities behind the scenes it's not the companies Mm. it's not the the creators that are always pushed to the forefront or whatever it's the smaller creators well david can you give any tips for anyone who might be interested in embracing beauty and makeup for the first time but might be reluctant to wear like a full face of makeup Yes, there are so many resources in today's age. I mean, go to Kenny Senegal's YouTube channel for one. Uh, Go to creators who kind of look like you. So perhaps if you are Asian and you have monolithic eyes, there are plenty of people on YouTube or on TikTok or on Instagram, but find your confidence in what works for you in the privacy of your own home. If you want to try a full face beat or if you want to try a new lash uh, line or if you want to try a new eyeliner, like try it. And then once you feel confident, show it to the world. Show it to your social media. If you don't have social media, show it to your friends, FaceTime your friends. And I think that it is those small steps that really truly make you feel your magic and feel your light. And once you feel that from inside and confident, that's only going to spread light to the world. I'm curious, what is a beauty or makeup trend that you really love right now, David Yee? You know, for me, I love just dewy skin and healthy skin. And I'm not talking about like clear complexion. I'm talking about all types of skin um, and all types of skin is healthy. But I love this glow that there's a sheen. It's this kind of sweaty look. And especially for the summer, I am so ready to see people in person. Hopefully they're vaccinated. And I'm ready to kind of just compliment how supple and bouncy their skin looks. Do you have a favorite trend right now, Kenny Senegal? Um, I would have to agree with David. The high gloss cheekbone is absolutely everything. The high gloss cheekbone would have to be my favorite thing right now because it's so fresh and you can literally put it on a face full of makeup and Mm -hmm. it will make you look fresh. It will make you look so like, wow, like girl, did you just finish your makeup all day long? Or the a blush, blush across the cheeks is always a great option and taking it up into the temple. Um, a light eye, bold lip, absolutely love. And the freckle trend, I adore the freckle trend. The freckle community has a problem with the freckle trend, but it's so adorable because it adds this, um, this, 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 aura of I'm not perfect, you know? 
Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer, David Yee, CEO of Very Good Light. You, our listeners, are also with us. Let me go to Sarah in San Leandro. Hi, Sarah. What would you like to share? Hi there. Um, Thank you so much for taking my call. So um, I would like to talk uh, more about um, nail painting your nails. Um, So I paint my nails for fun. I do nail art. I learned how to do it just on YouTube. Um, And I have a five-year-old niece and seven-year-old nephew um, who I love like they're my own. Um, and of course, when they see me painting my nails, they want to do it. My niece is a little more into it, but of course her brother sees it and you know, they're children. All they see is fun colors being painted on their hands. They don't really think of it as masculine or feminine. Um, so of course I do it for both of them and I love doing it. It's a bonding thing, but my brother who is a little more conservative thinking, um, he, it, it resulted in a little bit of a debate, um, and he uh, really was asking me not to at first. And I said, but they're, they're kids and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to paint his sister's nails and then have to tell him no, because he doesn't understand why. Um, so ultimately, you know, he's the parent and I would, I, he gets the final say, but he did finally, um, after I said my main point um, that I'm leading up to, he did say, okay, well, could you at least please push him towards the boys' colors, the blues, the blacks, the greens? And I was like... Okay, fine, like compromise. Um, So my mom, ever the neutral party, uh, chimed in and said, well, you know, while we have, uh, while we want our kids to express themselves and let them do these fun, fun things, we have a responsibility to protect our kids because out in the world, they're going to get bullied for something like that. And a boy will get, a boy will get bullied for having his nails painted at school. And so my point that I ultimately got across, I think to, I think I got it across to my brother. And the point that I would like to make to your listeners who perhaps are um, raging against this conversation is that, yes, we do have a responsibility to protect our kids and, do, and set them up for success and do everything we can to prevent them from being bullied. But just as equally, we have a responsibility to protect them from becoming the bully. Um, and so that's the main point I would like to get across. Uh, thank you so much for the mm. conversation. I'll take my response off air. Thank you. Sarah, thanks for sharing that story. I don't know, Kenny Senegal, if you have a reaction to what you're hearing from Sarah. Absolutely. Um, it It's crazy because David also mentioned that, you know, tom- when girls are tomboys, it's so accepted. It's a fear of femininity. It's not a fear of... Oh, um, he's going to go to school. He's going to get picked on. Blase, blase. It's a fear of femininity. It's a, it's a, it's, it's just, or at least what we view as femininity. And on top of that, I think telling a, a, a child that is naturally interested in, oh, let me, let me paint my nails. That stifles and it stops their creativity at a very early age, which is why creators and creativity is so looked down upon or not looked down upon but it's 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 always seen as a lesser you know mm. but the creative energy is what really drives the world totally and i'd like to add that you know historically when we look at history let's talk about how men were the ones who painted their nails in 3200 bce babylonians went to a salon before battle so it might have been their last day on earth they might have gotten their heads chopped off or killed but they could easily have spent hours having their hair 
lacquered and curled to match the color of their nails. And so these fierce warriors throughout history, men have always beautified. Men were the first to paint their nails. So why is it that we've become so fearful of these innate acts that are within us? We want to beautify. Humans are a part of the animal kingdom as well. And we see male species in the animal kingdom, like peacocks flaunting their beauty. Men too innately want to beautify. It's just that fear of repercussion. But who's to say that it's also not violent or oppressive to tell that child that they cannot do this or that because it's shameful. And I think that that's what breeds kind of this hyper-masculinity and later violence that stems from hyper-masculinity by creating shame at such a young age. Well, let me go to Luca in San Francisco. Hi, Luca. Hi. So surprised to get on air. (laughs) Well, we're glad you're on. What do you want to say? Uh, I was just calling in. I was particularly interested in the previous caller's comment. Um, I'm in my late 20s. I'm a very sort of cisgendered, cisgendered appearing male. Um, But I've always been interested in nail polish. And when I see it on women, I always comment. And uh, I always wanted to do it myself, but never know how to get into it. Uh, And my sister used to paint my nails when I was a kid. So I've always had that interest. And it just... uh, never panned out. I don't know how to get into it. And I'm mm. curious uh, how that might work out. Well, who can point Luca in a direction to get into it? Um, okay, so Little Yachty, I don't know if you know who Little Yachty is, but Little Yachty just released like a full um, finger po- fingernail polish line. And the whole motto is, it's for you, not for them. And I think following up with somebody like a little Yachty or just a, a, um, a, a heterosexual male that is into the nail, you know, the nail polish and you, you show like the bad bunnies of the world, you show your good girl friend that, <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, okay, I see, I see, I see. Well, Kenny, thanks for that that tip. And we're also talking with David Yee. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Kent writes, I never felt like my body or brain really fit into a contemporary masculine standard. So back in the 90s, I became a goth and wore makeup. I then got into drag as a critique of beauty standards. Now I wear makeup less often and instead do a kind of 70s style with loud patterns and a horseshoe mustache. I still do painted nails. So I've kind of come around to embracing a kind of masculinity, but it's still drag. Interesting. You know, David, I'm loving your historical examples. And it's reminding me that you have some really great, uh, great examples in your book uh, about drag and some of the, um, I mean, this is like stretching back to Japan's Edo period in the 17th century. Can you just talk really briefly about drag, just because I don't know that we've given it its enough of its due in this conversation? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have drag queens and drag culture and uh, the art of drag from many cultures and history and times throughout the world. And yes, the Edo period with the kabuki, or we're talking about Shakespearean time when the word drag is thought to have been originated from men wearing long dresses that dragged on the floor, or even uh, the 
history of American drag. I mean, we can trace that to William Dorsey Swan, who was a freed, uh, who was formerly enslaved and became legendary for throwing extravagant soirees known as drag balls throughout the Washington, D.C. area. So I think that drag culture is nothing new. Drag culture and the art of drag has been celebrated throughout history. And if that's what you love, embrace it. It is all about fun. It's about expression. And it's about the keyword of the day, authenticity. <laughs> and we have people sharing some of their favorite icons. Winston tweets, don't neglect glam rock, Mark Boland, Glary Glitter, The Stones. Russ writes, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Boy George, on and on. This stuff's not new. And of course, that's been your point all along, David Yee. Kenny Senegal, one thing that you have said is that we're getting to a point with gender where it's all mesh. And I'm really curious <laughs> what you mean by that. <laughs> uh, what I mean by that is that we're just breaking out of gender roles. We're, we're breaking out of gender roles. And um, I think it's really the younger generations that's really helping push this. Like, it's the younger generations. They don't care anymore. And that's simply what I meant. We're, we're all meshing up now. It's like, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being a free-spirited individual and doing what you want to do. And I feel like the more we mesh, you know, the more we get comfortable with, you know, guys presenting how they want to present and same thing for women. The more we get comfortable with that, the better the world will become. Yes, freedom for all. Because Miriam writes, young tomboys are taunted, shamed and often beaten up for their gender expression. To push to more mainstream femininity is constant and overwhelming. So where do you see this going to, David Yee? Tell me uh, where we're headed since you, we've seen reversals <laughs> through history. I think where we're headed is a bright and beautiful, flamboyant, colorful future. Think about this post-pandemic world as a roaring 20s of the 1920s. That came after a pandemic. And I think that now we want to be expressive. Time is of the essence. We understand that one thing can change the world and your life. Now is a time to live your authentic truths. Be expressive how you want to be and show the world who you really are. David Yee, author of Pretty Boys, legendary icons who redefine beauty and how to glow up too. Kenny Senegal, beauty entertainment influencer. Thank you both for coming on. So appreciate having you both on today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I also want to thank our producer, Caroline Smith, for producing today's segment. Forum is also produced by Blanca Torres and Ariana Prail. Susan Britton is our lead producer. Our acting senior editor is Judy Campbell. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our intern, Kimia Akbari. Our executive editor, Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And Holly Kernan, our chief content officer. I'm Mina Kim. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.